Welcome to Hope for All Nations, a podcast by Calvary Worship Center Broadcast. We pray that God's word will continue to be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, and that as you spend time in the presence, you will be abundantly fruitful. Amen. Amen. Welcome once again. Um, If you are looking for your sermon notes, you'll find it online. We've got a soft uh, copy for you. Um, May you go there, download it, join me as we begin a brand new series on the God, the God of all grace, the God of all grace. We said this year is a year of divine grace, all grace, all manner of grace. And remember, we define all grace, all grace as God's inexhaustible supply of his undeserved gifts to us, which are adequate for every conceivable need. That's a definition we are going to go with in this series. Every need that we are going to encounter in 2021. So as we come to begin this series that may take us about two months, just exploring this, this concept of grace. More particularly, we are going to emphasize on the all grace. Saving grace, sanctifying grace. Sustaining grace, supply grace, serving grace, sharing grace, sovereign grace. There are all kinds of grace that I'm hoping that during this teaching series, we are going to explore. So today we are going to begin with the first one. The very, very basic of all the grace, which we call saving grace. Saving grace. Every grace that we experience begin with salvation. Grace appears to us. We experience the grace of God with salvation. In fact, when you read the Bible, the first time the word grace was used was on the concept of salvation. The Bible says, you remember the story of Genesis chapter 6 when the whole world was under sin and God was bringing judgment and flood. And the Bible says, but Noah found grace. The first time we are introduced to this concept of grace has to do with saving grace. So today we are going to look at saving grace and we are going to do an expositional study of Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 26. Because I believe in these short verses, Paul tells us what it really means. So basic, and yet many of us, we have misunderstood it. And we are trying with all our strength and might to try and understand the grace of God. So let me read Romans chapter 3, beginning from verse 20. Romans chapter 3, the Bible says, But now, The righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, 
even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, he says, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. These are heavy doctrine, but we're going to break it apart. Because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins which were previously committed. I want you to take, take note of that. To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier. I want you to take note of that. He might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. The whole book of Romans is... It's just heavy theology. And yet, deep, deep spiritual truth where Paul begins to unpack this concept of grace. If you need to understand the God of all grace, you have to start with salvation. So what is Paul saying? I'm going to say six things that I see in this particular verses that I wanted to understand. At the end of the day, even the child who is listening to this sermon will understand without a shadow of doubt what saving grace is. John Newton said, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me. In one verse, he summarizes the theology of saving grace. So what is it? Number one, saving grace is apart from works. If you can hear me, repeat. Say, apart from works. It is apart from works. In other words, we cannot work ourselves into salvation. We cannot work ourselves into heaven. Although you'll be surprised, fundamentally, the ethos and the essence of most religion is trying to work ourselves to please God. The very basics of most religion is how much can I try? How much can I do so that I can satisfy God or please God? Grace says no, that's not it. Let's go back to the verses. For no one can ever be made right with God, Paul says, by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. In other words, we need to take the theology of sin very seriously. Because if we don't understand the concept of sin, we cannot appreciate the value of grace. Oh, somebody missed that. You see, when we stop preaching about sin and the sinner coming back to God, when we stop making altar call, when we stop pointing men and women to their sin, because for different reasons, we, we are afraid to offend people, then people cannot value, if people cannot understand the death and the wretchedness of their sin, how can they appreciate grace? And that is why John Newton's hymn is so powerful. He saved a wretch like me. Today we live in a world where most people don't even know that they are wretched. 
You need to understand how sinful you are in order to value the grace of God. He said, we cannot, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long time ago, man since the beginning of time has been trying very hard to compensate for sin. Right from the beginning. Let me take you back to the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 7. The moment that they realize that they need God, they have sinned. Look, look at what happened. Then their eyes, the eyes of both of them were open. And they knew that they were naked. And what did they do? That's the beginning of religion. They sewed fig leaves together and make, made themselves coverings. That is man's attempt to deal with the whole question of sin and shame. Every kind of religion. And that is why Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship. Because when you try to work yourself into the heart of God, into salvation, you are destroying the concept of grace. In fact, Paul says this specifically in Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. He said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the Lord, then Christ is dead in vain. When you try to work yourself into salvation, you are frustrating grace. Because grace doesn't need your help. Many of you, I see grace frustration in your life. Why are you frustrating grace? Grace says, let me do it. It is apart from your works. In 2021, will you allow God to do what he alone can do in your life? If you try to help God, one, you don't understand grace, and two, you will frustrate grace. I do not frustrate the grace of God. Paul tells Timothy, in, I believe in First Timothy, that Second Timothy, that he has to be strong in that grace. How do you become strong in the grace? But allowing grace to do its work. See, human being, by definition, we need to work ourselves into something. We need to work hard. Even we believe in this, this, this theology that having helped those who help themselves, somehow it has found its way in church. When we come to saving grace, heaven does not need you. It is purely out of grace. Why? Isaiah chapter 64. I hope I'm getting as basic as I can so that you understand. See, the other day I was talking to a friend who is a Jehovah Witness. And you see, the Jehovah Witness don't understand the concept of salvation grace. So are other sects. They believe you have to work hard and then pay adventure. God will save you. God does not need your works. Why? Because your works, the Bible said they are like filthy rags. We are all like unclean thing and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. When you try to please God and do things that, you know, somebody said, well, I tried to build a church 
for my community? Would that take me to heaven? No. I bought a car for the pastor, hoping that that may end me some brownie points to heaven. No. It is all apart from works. And God demonstrated that in the same book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Why? Because the fig leaves will soon get dried. Man's attempt, that is why no religion can find true satisfaction because they are fig leaves. Trying hard, religion, is that the definition of religion? Trying hard, working myself into salvation. Sometimes I meet people, they say, well, I found Jesus. No, you did not find Jesus. He found you. The Bible says nobody comes to the Father unless the Father draws him. In salvation, Jesus is the one who reaches out to you. Jesus is the one who ran after the one and leaves the 99. He is the one who is running after you, looking for you. He's the one who came down and died for you. And the Bible says, whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, when you were not even looking for him, when you were not even interested in him, when you were not even calling him, he died for you. It is all apart from works. And Paul even made it even so clearly in Ephesians chapter 2. Are you still with me? Because we got to understand this. We are building upon the God of all grace. And once you understand that, the Bible says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. Not of yourselves. Can't emphasize that, that enough. It is the gift of God, and again, not of works. Lest anyone should boast. Sometimes I hear people give testimony and you could tell that they think that they did God a favor by getting saved. No. Holy Spirit was God all the way. You heard the word of God. He convicted your spirit. He gave you the ability to be saved. The Bible says, as many as believed him, he gave them the power to become children of God. Will you take a moment right now and thank God that it was all his grace. It was everything about him. It's all by his grace. If God has not done it, we couldn't have come to him. We couldn't have been drawn to him. We were not attracted to him. We were not attracted to the things of God. It is apart from works. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, and now I can see. What a good song. It's apart from grace, apart from work. Secondly, saving grace, how do we accept it? By faith. Saving grace is accepted by faith. So God's grace is, is released. God's grace it's reaching us. The way we receive it is when we accept it. And again, go back to the passage, Romans chapter 3. It says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. 
In other words, accepting what God has done and believing that work in your life. In Acts chapter 16, Paul says something that I want to bring your attention to. The Bible says, and he brought them out and said, says, what must we do to be safe? So they said, believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. How do I accept? Believe. Put your faith in God. You are saying, God, yes, I am a sinner. Yes, I deserve to die. But today, I accept the gift of God into my life. You see, when we, we stop preaching about the need for the sinner to come back to God, we are missing an important piece of Christianity. If we don't need to become washed, forgiven, and cleansed from our sins, then Jesus Christ did not need to die. In fact, a few years ago, they did a survey during Easter in America, and they asked most Christians whether it was necessary for Jesus Christ to die. 65% of Christians say it was not necessary. God could still have done whatever he wanted to do without Jesus Christ on the death of Christ. You see, we are living a generation where we don't take sin seriously. One. And two, we don't understand the penalty of sin. And we also don't understand the pollution of sin. And thirdly, we don't understand the power of sin. We don't understand what what sin can do to us. The mess that it can make us, our mind, our spirit. We don't understand the pollution of sin. How sin has penetrated our society and our families and every fabric of society. We don't preach about sin anymore. The, the, the whole concept of theology of sin has been removed because it's too offensive. Then people don't need to be saved anymore. So we are preaching another gospel. See, if you don't preach about the pollution of sin, how do you tell people about the penalty of sin? The Bible says, for all have sinned and we are falling short of the glory of God. And the Bible says, the penalty of sin, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. You cannot give men the gift of God until you tell them about the penalty of sin. Otherwise, they will not value it. They cannot appreciate it. How, do, how can you really say amazing grace until you recognize that he saved a wretch like you? A wretch like you. Saving grace begins when you say, God, I am a sinner. I have rebelled against you. I have walked away from you. I have not lived the life that you require from me. I have fallen down, fallen short of your standard. I'm not worthy of you, but I accept you. Will you forgive me? That's where grace begins. That's where salvation begins. It's accepted by faith. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are. I don't know your journey on this earth, this planet. But whatever it is, you got to have saving grace as part of the package. Otherwise, your life will be full of frustration. Because when you frustrate grace, grace will frustrate you. Accepted by faith. Number three, how do we experience saving grace? 
you have to know that it's available to everyone. It's available to everyone. Paul says it. Let's go back to the verse, Romans 3, 22. So we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, accepted by faith. This is true for everyone who believes, no matter where we are. No matter where we are, Toronto to Timbuktu, grace will find you. Grace is for everyone. And I mean everyone, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, grace will find you. Grace is for the rich and the poor. Grace is for the black, the brown, the yellow, and everybody. It doesn't matter the shade of your skin. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. Grace is for you. Now, I want you to listen to me carefully. There is nobody on this planet who is beyond grace. Did you hear me? Nobody is beyond grace. You say, Pastor, but you don't understand what I have done. You don't understand where I have been. Nobody is beyond grace. Because the blood of Jesus Christ is so powerful, it takes away all the sin of the world. In Titus chapter 1 verse 2, the Bible says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And all means all. Grace has appeared to all men. Everybody is invited. You say, saving grace is available for me? Yes. I rebel against God? Yes. But I'm a prostitute? Yes. But, but I am a, a, a murderer? Yes. There are murderers in the Bible who found grace. But I am a tax collector. I have cheated? Yes. Even the thief on the cross, he found grace. Jesus says, today you shall be with me in paradise. No one is beyond grace. We human beings, we, we, we limit grace to others. But we are not God. Sometimes there are people that we choose to forgive and people that we don't think they deserve grace. But the Bible says all of us, we are sinners. We are all sinners before God. And before God, it doesn't matter whether you look righteous or you smell righteous. The Bible says, for all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. First Timothy 1.15, listen to Paul, the great apostle Paul. He said, here is a truth worthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Saving grace, the God of all grace, came to save sinners. He said, I am the worst. I'm a murderer. I killed a lot of good people. I killed and destroyed the saint. I watched as they as killed and they stoned Stephen. If Paul will find grace, it doesn't matter where, where you are, what you have done. Yes, I am telling you, grace will find you. You are not beyond grace. Say, Pastor, you don't understand. 
My sin is very deep. Isaiah 1.18 is for you. Listen to this. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And you say, is that for me? Yes, it's for you. That's a word of God. It doesn't matter how polluted you are. You can be the vilest of all the sinners. Christ can save you. I've, say, I've seen him save people of all kinds. People that we would think that they are beyond grace. When you saw Paul on the road to Damascus, you would think this man is beyond grace. Found him cursing God, cursing the people of God. And yet he found grace. I pray that as we begin this new year, you will find, embrace this God of all grace and embrace his salvation which he's offering to you. You said, you said yeah, I'm, I have my regrets and disappointment. Yes, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. He said, forget about the former things. I do a new thing. When God washes your sin, yes, your sin will become as white as snow. And then you are asking, but pastor, how does that happen? I don't understand. Because today we are going to take a moment and just not just appreciate grace, but just worship God for his marvelous grace in our lives. The Bible says we attain it by justification. Let me explain to you the process of this saving grace. Because some of you, I know that although you are saved, you are born again, you still cannot shake the weight of sin, the weight of your past. You still cannot shake off the guilt. Once a while, you keep coming back to it. Paul explains this in the next verse 23 and 24. He said, listen, for all have sinned, and all are falling short of the glory of God. And yet he said we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Take note of the word, underline the word in your Bible, justify. It's a heavy theological word and yet it is loaded with truth. The word justify means just as if you have never sinned. Justify means that you have no criminal record. Justify means that when God looks at you, he cannot remember your past. That's what it means. Made righteous. In other words, you know, sometimes you can go to jail, save your time, and you can still have a criminal record. The world doesn't forgive you. Maybe one day a judge may erase your record. But God is saying, when I make you righteous, I look at you like you've never seen before. Now, I want you to think about that a moment because if you miss that, you are missing a very important piece of your salvation because I understand some Christians, when they never understood this concept when they became born again, all their Christian life, it tormented them because they never understood the concept of justification. It's, oh God, I know you are, worth, you are worthy, I bless you, but you know what I did 20 years ago, God said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea. And in fact, he doesn't. 
So the next time you are talking to God about your past sin, think about justification. Justification says, I don't have any record. What are you talking about? Are you losing your mind? Because your sins will I forgive and I remember them no more. In other words, there is a certain kind of amnesia when it comes to forgiveness of your sins. God can remember it. Do you get it? It is important that you get that because if you are going to stand in authority as a child of God and speak and exercise all the privilege of God, you have to learn to put your past behind you. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so as he removed our sins from us. He cannot remember it. So when John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God, that takes away, that takes away the sin of the world. In other words, when the blood of Jesus Christ removed the stain of sin on you, there is no indication that there was ever a stain there. If you've got a very good detergent, it will do that. Detergent can remove a stain and there will be no traces. I'm talking about something even more powerful than any detergent. I am talking about the powerful blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says it cleanses and it washes away your sin. Justification. That's why we can stand boldly. In Romans chapter 5 verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. When you cannot accept the concept of justification, you have guilt and torment all your Christian life. And I meet believers all the time because you know what? The devil is good at reminding you about your sins in the past. So you don't have peace. Some people, when you ask them, are you sure you are going to heaven? Immediately they think about their past sin. No, you've been justified. So you got to have peace with God. You've been justified. And because you've been justified, you have peace with God. Do you get it? I'm going to say it again. You have been justified. So sister, so brother, have peace with God. When the next time the devil reminds you about your past, remind him about his future, where he's going. Tell him my sins have been washed and cleansed away. He remembers them no more. Let me speak to believers who struggle with guilt. You are justified. We have attained this saving grace through justification. Amen? Number five. I told you I'll give you six. Number five. And this justification is awarded freely. Awarded freely. Now, why is Paul saying it? Because he's trying to make a point. Romans chapter three. In fact, if you have time, please. I know the book of Romans is a heavy book to study, but get into it. Because fundamentally, I found that Christians, we have not got some of the basics covered. So some of our struggles along the journey of grace is because we have not got the foundation covered. And I know that some of you, as soon as we started the topic saving grace, you were like, oh, I'm going to sleep. This is not for me. But you have not understood it. 
If your foundation is not right, you are building yourself upon the wrong foundation and it will come back to haunt you. Are you still with me? Understand that it's awarded freely. Bible said we are justified freely. Freely. And free means free. I know in North America when somebody is offering you something free, you have to be suspicious. And I get it. Let me tell you a very funny story. When we first came here, we were just about maybe six months into being in Canada and I got a free staff to go to Florida. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is the blessing of the Lord. What a miracle. They gave us two tickets to go to Florida for a week. I didn't read the fine print. It wasn't really free. So we went to Florida and let me tell you, it was a timeshare and brother and sister, they tormented us day or night until I said, I want to go home. Take your ticket. Fly me back home. These days when people say free, they don't really mean free. But when Jesus says free, it is free. You cannot earn it. You cannot buy it. And you don't have to pay for it later. No, it's free. And yeah, it's free. Really, it is free. You have justified freely. And that's the beauty of the, of the grace of God. Because nobody gives you anything free anymore. Even when you have a phone plan, they tell you, we'll give you three minutes. There's a catch. Isaiah 55 says, watch this. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come. Take your choice of wine or milk. It is all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you eat what is good. You enjoy the finest food. He said, why are you struggling and spending money on things to fill that void and emptiness and try to make you happy? And it's very expensive. Happiness is not cheap. I want to be happy. I buy a house. I want to be happy. I buy a car. I want to be happy. I buy the clothes. I go to the mall. I want to be happy. I buy this. I buy that. God is saying they're expensive. Come and you receive joy free of charge. Peace free of charge. Come. He will love you free of charge. Today, if you hear his voice, do not rebel against him. The gift of God is free. Just come as you are. And today will be a new beginning. If it's somebody like Zacchaeus. You see, during the time of Jesus, there were a lot of sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and, I mean, real sinners. The Bible called them sinners. And the Pharisees could not really understand because they were people who frustrate the grace of God. The Pharisee says you have to work yourself out. 
And they never appreciated Jesus surrounding himself with all sinners. And in fact, one day he went to a house of tax collector and they were very annoyed. And Jesus Christ told them, if you are not sick, you don't need a doctor. I did not come for the righteous, quote unquote. I came for the sinner. Free of charge. People like you and I come, he came to save us. Can I give you the final one? I'm talking about saving grace. Saving grace. It is accomplished through redemption. Accomplished through redemption. So God justify us. And let me end with verse 24 to 26. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You know, brothers and sisters, sometimes when you read some of these words, they may, be, they may not be words that we use in everyday language. Nobody meets you and say, hi, can I talk to you about redemption? Nobody uses that word, but yet they are so important. So what are you saying, pastor? Salvation, although it is free, it is not cheap. Although salvation is free, it is not cheap. It came at a cost. And that cost, we call it redemption. Somebody paid for it. Anytime you think about something free, remember that it has cost somebody. When you have free education, it's because some people have paid into it. Let me show you how Peter demonstrated in 1 Peter chapter 1. So knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you. Somebody had to die and pay the price. That is how this whole concept of saving grace was attained. You see, we were headed for destruction and death. And Jesus Christ came and said, I will take it. It is free because Christ pay the price. And that is why you do not frustrate grace by trying to pay it again. It is already paid off through redemption. Somebody spared grace as G-R-A-C-E, meaning God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. Whatever you, are, you and I experience it today, it's because somebody died for you. My God and my God, why have you forsaken me? Went through the garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. And by his stripes we were healed. He paid the price. It's called redemption. And it wasn't done by dollars. He didn't come and said, I buy you. I paid for it with money. 
he paid for it with his blood. That is saving grace. That's how you and I have come today. And today, worship him, come with me. I want to bring this same person, introduce this same person to you. What have we said today? Seven, uh, six things. Don't forget that saving grace is apart from works. Saving grace is accepted by faith. And some of you, the journey begins today. It's available to everybody. Doesn't matter where you are, what you've done. It's attained by justification. God cleanses you, washes you, and you don't have a criminal record. It's all gone. Your past is forgiven. Remember, it is awarded freely. You don't have to pay for it. And it's accomplished through the redemptive work of Christ by his blood. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Hope for All Nations, a Calvary Worship Center podcast. We pray that God's word will continue to be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And that as you spend time in his presence, you will be abundantly fruitful. You are also most welcome to join us for our in-person worship services. If you are in Western Canada, we have locations in Surrey, BC and New Westminster, BC, as well as Calgary, Alberta. In Washington State, we have a location in Bellingham and a location in Ghana. You can find out more information at calvaryonline.ca. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life, and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.